Mark chapter 6. We start a new chapter in Mark today, and kind of a new discussion. You know, a lot of these things, they build one on another. I'm not saying Mark 6 happens in a vacuum, but it was kind of a clean break, a new uh, backdrop, a new thing going on, and I think, you know, it's, uh, let's just look at it and see what we can come up with. I'm going to read Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read the first 13 verses, and hopefully that will we'll cover them all here this morning. And then uh, I'll pray, and then we'll start to unpack Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1, give your attention to the reading of God's word, if you would. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. When the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, For whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is this, which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power of unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take uh, nothing for their journey save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Let's pray. God, as we look now to take your word and uh, disseminate, to teach, to, to learn, I pray you'd give us hearts that would receive. And Lord, we would understand in a way that would be a real benefit to us, Lord, and that it would, you know, that your kingdom would go forth go forth in us, Lord, and that we'd be more prepared to share. And Lord, we just pray this would be a really worthwhile time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think when we study the Word, it's a worthwhile time just in and of itself. But it's a living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And I think we do well to remember that. It's feeding our souls in a way that we probably don't even understand. Let's just jump in. He went from thence. Where? Well, he was in his adopted uh, Capernaum. As an adult, he adopted Capernaum as his hometown. Uh, he went from thence and came to his own country. Where? Nazareth. Now, people confuse this with Luke chapter 4, and I want to compare them right quick. So if you want to bounce over to Luke 4, and if you don't, I'll just read, and it's kind of an extended portion. He, uh, verse 14 of Luke 4, he, uh, Jesus returned the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Chuck Missel always is fond of pointing out, he stops at a comma, he doesn't finish that sentence. If you want to go for further study, you should check on what he doesn't say, because it's about judgment, but it's not, it's not judgment time yet. He closed the book, he gave it to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all of them were, uh, were, that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. By the way, if you read the rest of the verse, it wouldn't have been fulfilled in their ears that day. That's still to come. But that's a story for another time. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said, And by the way, he's Joseph's son. Later on, he'll be Mary's son. That's very telling. And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me, This proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have done, we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto uh, Sarepta, a city in Sidon, unto the woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the da days of Elias, Elias, the prophet. It's, uh, it's Elijah and Eli. Elijah and Elisha, okay? And this is the Greek. You know how King James does that. Uh, many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, save, saving Naaman, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with great wrath. Now, homework, and it, this is one of the homework questions, but if you want to compare this and, and the, why are they filled with great wrath? It's, it's kind of obvious, but it's, you have to do a little bit of digging. But we haven't got time for that now, uh, and that's not where we're going. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of the hill whereupon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. They're not ambivalent. They're like, we want to kill you. This teaching is not what we want to hear. Why? It's Like I say, it's, it's non-obvious. You've got to dig a little bit. Uh, does that happen to me? I think people get pretty steamed. I don't know they want to throw me off a cliff generally. Uh, oh, why would they do that? He's such a nice guy. I am. I mean, I really try to. I don't want to step on anyone's toes until I sacrifice your, uh, your, your sacrificial cow on the altar of this is what the Bible says. And if you're at cross purposes, you know, <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. I'm just delivering the mail. But people want to get very upset. And that's the nature of Scripture, I think. I've been reading this book sometime and I wanted to just take it and throw it because it stepped on my little precious toes and I was, again, at cross purposes with God. And sometimes you can get very upset about it. Not recently, I mean, but I've, I've, I've been there. I don't know that I actually ever threw it. I kind of, I wouldn't do that, I don't think. But I've got, been upset. You've been upset. And he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now, this is 
a story that happened before. Now he comes back here, and that in and of itself. So I went, you know, they try to kill me, and I went and I went back. That tells us something right there. So you had a you had a bad spell, you had a bad day, you had a bad hair day with God, and you were all upset, and he's done with you, because that's who he is. Oh yeah, cross me, I'll crush you like a grape, said Jesus, never to no one, ever. Is he the God of the second chance? Listen, way past that. We can't count. I can't count my own life how many chances he's given me. You, you know this to be a fact. Uh, now, some people would teach, and Satan would try to manipulate your feelings. Like, oh, okay, you messed up. You sinned against light, and God's done with you. You know how many times I've ministered to somebody? I've done it. I've lost my salvation. And they tell me about some sin that's happened in their lives. And I tell them about the great physician. I tell them about the God who's merciful and the God who's full of graciousness. And he doesn't give up on you. He doesn't, okay, you're, you're done. I'm, I'm done with you. You're, you've, you've sinned to... And, and I talk about, listen, Peter. You deny him three times. One, two, three. We only give you three strikes in baseball. Sit down. Next guy up here. You're all done. We don't give four strikes. God doesn't, he's not a baseball guy. He, he doesn't go by baseball's rules. He gives us chance after chance after chance. So here he is, back in his hometown, Nazareth. Last time he said he tried to kill him. And here he is ministering, pouring out his heart again. And I think that speaks volume of the God that we worship. He came to his own country and his disciples follow him. Now sometimes we read scripture and we just, we don't, it doesn't even, the words don't even, listen, his disciples Follow him. You say, well, yeah, what else would disciples do? Well, that's a good point. I think sometimes we call ourselves disciples. And I don't want to be judgmental. We don't follow him at all. And I think you, you want to be able to point to ways in your own life where you tangibly, concretely, in, in ways that you can measure, follow him. Well, they followed him to a danger zone, humanly speaking, and they follow him because that's what disciples do. Where they follow him? They follow him to church. Uh, I know, it's synagogue and it's Sabbath. But I mean, that was his habit. He went, we read back in, and I don't know if you caught it, back in Luke 4. He went, he went to the, the synagogue, which was, his, which was his habit. This is what he did. It's, it's, hey, it's church time, I'm going to church. Now, it's, it's a little different uh, it's not mandatory. There's no thing in the Bible that says you go to synagogue or you go to hell. There's nothing in the Bible that says you go to church or you go to hell. And I've never tried to enforce or, or try to, but the Bible does say that we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But as we see that day approaching, evermore we're supposed to encourage and build up one another. You can't build up somebody from your living room, somebody who's here. You can't do it. You can't, like I said, we, we have these little pockets of people praying together. That's very edifying. It's very encouraging. And, and, and as you're crying, somebody giving you a hug, that's a very tangible thing. And somebody explaining or warning or a lot of things are happening, a lot of dynamics. But none of them are happening in your living room. Now, now the, the Bible's being preached and the Bible's being taught, and that's always a good thing. And if you can't be here, you know, we encourage people on Facebook to, you know, give it a listen. And I don't want to be legalistic about this. But I just think like a lot of us, 
Now, here's the rub. <laughs> Adam, why are we listening to this? We're here. I know, right? That's always the issue. You know, I'm, I'm lecturing, I'm singing to the choir again. That's, that's how the thing works. But some people are listening online. And I would just encourage somebody who loves you, not a legalistic, you know, I, I got the refrigerator, got a little matrix there. Church attendance, check. You know, prayer this week, check. Bible reading, check. And I get all the checks. I've done really good. I'm not that person. I, I don't, but is church optional? We, we never thought so. Uh, me and Sue's go on vacation, we find a place to go to church. We're just like that. It's like, where's the nearest Calvary? We're, we're on vacation. We're golfing, we're shopping, we're having a good time. We're doing, just hanging out, you know, and stuff. Wednesday night, where's the nearest Calvary? We're to find out. We're to go visit. We're to see what's going on. And if there's not a Calvary nearby, we've gone to other churches. Just, just a fellowship, just to get fed. Just to, it's what disciples do, you know what I mean? Jesus does it. And I think Part, and I don't make it a major point, but I think his disciples follow him. We let a lot of things take us away. Things of, and, I, and again, I don't want to be legalistic. You're sick, stay home. <laughs> You're afraid about getting sick, maybe you ought to stay home. A lot of dynamics, and I'm not trying to paint with too broad a brush. All I'm saying is, you know, the fish are calling, and it's, uh, you know, so you only get so many summer days. I hate to see summer come. Man. I, and I don't begrudge your vacation. I'm just like, now you're away and you're visiting in another church and God bless you. I'm not trying to... Okay, enough said. Take that in the spirit it was meant. So the Sabbath day was coming. He began to teach in a synagogue and many hearing from him were astonished. Saying, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even... Such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Remember, this is his hometown. Where did this guy get these things? They acknowledge that he has wisdom and that it was given to him and that mighty works are wrought by his hands. But here's the problem. He didn't go to any rabbinical schools. He's a rabbi without a, a degree. He's a, he's a, like a, can you imagine this? A pastor who never went to Bible college. I know, you're shocked, right? Uh, you know, I couldn't get a job as a pastor a lot of places. I, I couldn't. They'd say, okay, what Bible college? You know, they want to hear like, you know, Bob Jones University, Moody, Liberty University. They want to hear, you know, a good, a, a, a Bible college and a good one. I went to something that was kind of liberal, a little bit, yeah, fly by night. They never heard of it. They would just, and not to have gone to Bible college was your credentials. Who do you think you are? Where's your degree? Um, I'll tell you my credentials. Um, I think God has gifted me to teach the Bible. And I don't have, and I'm not a gifted speaker, and I think we all know that. And I never claim to be in the sense like I don't have cadence, I don't have rhythm, I don't have beautiful, flowery, uh, poetic. I, I don't have any of that stuff. I teach the Bible, and I think I do a, a good job of teaching truth. I think God did that. So I'm going to church in Calvary Chapel in Bangor, and my pastor's Ken Graves. My pastor's still Ken Graves, and um, he says, Adam, uh, I want you to. Uh, go to Waterville, start a church. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, like, well, who else? I mean, I've been in construction my whole adult life. I've never attended one Bible college class ever. So 
The obvious choice, right? Uh, factor in the sarcasm, please, because I was flabbergasted, but God had been working on my heart, so I kind of, it's a long story, and someday maybe I'll share it all, because I think it's a good story too. But so and I, I said, well, provisionally, yeah, but, and he goes, but, and I says, well, I got to, you know, I'm married, <laughs> you know, somebody's got to sign off on this. And uh, I, 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 I want to tell you, Suze is um, careful. I'm not, I like to think at this point, I'm not rash, I'm not impetuous, but way more than her. She's looks at all the angles. She weighs out all the options. Thank God someone like her in our marriage, because we were both like me. It wouldn't have gone well so many times. But she agonizes over decisions. And me, I'm like, yeah, here's a plus, here's a minus. Yeah, okay, I'm in. And, and that's who I am. That's what I've always been. I just, uh, you know, ready, fire, aim. For better or for worse, that's who I am. I, but it doesn't take me long to get to where I, I need to be. She has to... And she, you know, she was praying about it, thinking about it, looking at all the angles. And Jeanette Graves said to her, "Listen, if if God's calling Adam, you know, you got to get on board and stuff." And and I'm glad that God did that because she considers Jeanette Graves one of the coolest people on the whole planet, and uh, changed the, her thinking forever about what a pastor's wife could or should be. So that was a real blessing, and God got us moving. Um, but I have the same. I've run into the same issue today about credentials. And a prophet is not without honor. I want to tell you, it, I, I, I've been. I go to like Calvary Chapel and bang on. They treat me like a rock star. I'm not even joking. And like I go to these different places, and people come up to me and talk to me and visit and just and it, they want to like check on the ministry and how things are going. I go home. I'm not a rock star. I'm a pariah. I am. Bad news. I, I'm serious. When it comes to spiritual things, I'm not a promoter of mariolatry or uh, perpetual virginity or infallibility of the papal see. You know what I'm talking about. And so therefore, I'm persona non grata. Listen, in my house, they didn't even let me pray at Thanksgiving time. Usually, you know, yeah, yeah, you know how it is when you go and you visit you have having Thanksgiving at somebody's house, and they're like, yeah, let the religious nut pray. You know, maybe that's, maybe, I don't know, God will actually bless something. We'll see. Uh, and they'll let you do that. Like when I was going to my, my in-law's house, they always, they let me pray and, and, and things like that. that. was fine, but not at my house. They might think I might say some heretical, God bless the turkey, or I don't know, some horrible like that. But no credentials. That was the part. Who do you think you are? I remember having discussions with my sister. I said, you know, she's like, I'm studying Revelation. It's so hard. I'm like, it's not. It's easy. And she's like, no, it's hard. I'm like, no, it's not. It just They assume, the, the, the writer of Revelation assumes you know the 65 books that went on before. And if that, if you connect all the dots, it's really not that hard. But the thing is, like, who are you? What are you talking about? What are you, like, shut up. Hey, you don't, you're nothing. You're nobody. You don't get any credentials. You don't even speak Latin, for goodness sake. You know, it's like credentials. It's a big thing. That's what he's running into. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You, you, you were a little kid here. You're a little snot nose. You hung out with our kids. You were, you know, racing up and down the, the street and playing. And, and you had all the, and you did all these. And, and, and then when, you know, I think it was like this. I think it's, 
let me give you some insight into what happened. I think Jesus went to Jerusalem at 12. I think that was his bar mitzvah, okay? He came back, and he was subject to you know, Mary and Joseph, it says. And I think that's when he, because he's a man, he's the son of the law now, and they're thinking, we're waiting until we're 18 years old, not so in Jewish. And we don't have anything like that. I think to our, when are you an officially adult? 18. Not spiritually. We don't ever confer adulthood on you, and you're always our kids. We don't. Anyway, they have bar mitzvah, and I think it was a good thing. I think that's when he learned the trade. That's when he became, that's when he entered into the carpenter shop, and, and his dad taught him how to, you know, cut. listen, when he did work with wood, he didn't go to Home Depot. He didn't go to Hammond Lumber. He didn't get a delivery. He went, and he cut down a tree, and he planed it, and he made it into something that could be used as lumber and things of this nature. I think Jesus Christ was rugged as all get out. I really, really do. And, and he had, you know, uh, his hands were all uh, calloused, and he, now, I, the big joke, and, and Tommy will readily agree to this, and Isaac will readily agree to this, that if Jesus came today, he'd be an electrician. I mean, I don't think there's any question of that. The light of the world would be an electrician. I'm just saying. But carpentry is such a decent trade. It's a building trade. It's a, uh, you know, he wore a car tunic. He, he, you know, he had steel toe sandals. He was a worker. He knew how to, you know, work a day. And, uh, and so I think he was doing that until the time that he was like 30 years old when he ended in public ministry. Think of the math here. We're talking about 18 years or so as the carpenter. At some point, his, his dad passes off the scene. What is it like? What, was, what happened then? i tell you what happened in my thinking. I don't have any Bible verse, but come and tell me I'm wrong. Jesus pulled the family together and said, hey, and the, the girls are upset. They lost their dad. Mary has lost her husband, her soulmate, her, her kindred spirit, her best friend. And I think Jesus pulled them all together. And I bet he ministered to them in the Psalms and just prayed and said, you know, I got this. I know it's hard. I know you're struggling right now, but I got this. We're going to be all right. I'm, I got some stuff lined up. I'm going to pay the bills. I'll take care of you. I'm not, we're not going to dissolve as a family. It's all going to be good. I bet, in my own thinking, I'm sure that happened. And I bet he ministered in ways that were so healing and so... Imagine having Jesus as an older brother, ladies especially. Amazing. And I think that's what happened. And I think his brothers were established in their business and stuff like that. He never, when he went into public ministry, he didn't leave anyone high and dry. Hey, fend for yourselves, I'm out of here. I don't, that's not even his nature. He doesn't do that to you. He doesn't do that to me. No credentials. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Now, that's a, that's a pejorative term. That's a slap. Talmud has him as the illegitimate son of Mary. He was conceived out of wedlock. And by the way, he was. There was a, a, well, it was an adulterous. No, no, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. When Mary and Joseph were in that betrothal stage, it's more than engagement. It's less than marriage. You have to get divorced at this point. You remember Joseph was going to put her away, divorce her privately. And then the angel came and visited Joseph in a dream. We know the rest of the story. But, they're caught, but 
nobody's the son of their mother in, in Judaism. We read, you know, and he slept with his fathers, and, and his father was this, and his grandfather, we don't hear the word grandfather, whose father was, whose father was, whose father was, whose father was. It goes back all the way through the father, that's how it is. He's the son of the carpenter the first time, now he's the son of Mary, and I think that's a pejorative term. I think they just called him out as a illegitimate. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? He's got four brothers. And not his sister's here with us. And they always want to say, well, at least two sisters. That's correct, because it's plural. I think he's got four, five, six, seven, who knows how many sisters, right? Maybe equal number. He's got four of each. He's, he's, one, he's the oldest of nine, 10, 11. Make him, or at least seven, I mean, if you do the math, at minimum. Growing up in a carpenter's house. And they were offended at him. Again, who is he? They think they know him. They know him so well they don't know him at all. I think it's a problem. I think it's a problem with people. I think it's a problem with whole denominations. I knew him. He was the son of Mary. And that wasn't a pejorative growing up. Because Mary was really a shaker and a mover. And Jesus was kind of a lesser player. But he was kind of really important too. And uh, yeah, I really knew him. I, you know, there was never a day in my life I didn't believe Jesus Christ in his, since I've understood these things, in his divinity. I believe he was God. I believe he was in the Trinity, the second person, the son of God. I believe that my whole life. And going to hell. And I thought I knew him. And what's more, I thought when I found out who he really was and is the savior of the world and who he was to me, I'd go share this with my family and they'd be overjoyed and they would jump on I, it didn't work out that way, did it? It never does. Are you ministering to your family? Is that the toughest crowd? Is that the toughest bunch? This is what the story's about. Uh, and are not his sisters here with us? I think here with us right at the synagogue. They're all adults now. Jesus, if he's 30, 31, 32 here, all his siblings are in their 20s. All probably married. Many, if not all of them, have children. Think of Uncle Jesus. No one will think of him like that, do we? So here are his sisters, right with them, maybe a brother or two, maybe all of them, who knows, and they're offended at him. They're giving him grief. You remember, they had already come visit him. He's not eating. He's not even taking care of his... And they come because they thought he was beside himself. He said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. Remember? Hey, your, your mom and your brethren are without. They come to lay hold of him. He could do no mighty work there, save, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Jesus' power is diminished by our lack of faith, correct? I don't think so. Jesus' power is diminished by nothing at all. And I want to address this because there's that word of faith movement out there. You didn't name it. You didn't claim it. You don't get it. And Listen, where were you, name it, claim it, boy, when Jesus put like everything that exists together? When he spoke the world's into existence. When all creation, he, he, what, what was your faith then that he did that? He was acting unilaterally with all the power that's on display that we can still see, readily see today. 
His power is not diminished. How, do, how is it that he could do no mighty work? No one showed up. Nobody asked him for healing. Nobody, nobody was there to say, hey, look, can you heal me? And probably the ones who did probably got ridiculed later on, if you think about it. Jesus is astonished at their lack of faith. He couldn't do no mighty work, say, say that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Only twice, in, that's in verse 6, only twice in Scripture does Jesus marvel. If you spoke the world into existence with something like a nova or a black hole or a quasar amaze you, it amazes us. We look at a hummingbird in the way of a hummingbird. We're, 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 we are just, wow, 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 what's going on here? God doesn't, wow. Yeah, when you speak a pulsar into existence, you look at a pulsar and you say, wow, that's crazy. Man. No, it's like, I remember when I did pulsars and quasars and all that. I remember all that. He marvels twice in scripture that we're aware of. You remember the centurion come to him? We, I see the time dwindling, so I don't want to go there. But look, he goes to, and, he, and this centurion comes and he says, hey, uh, can you heal my servant? Uh, he's laying at death point of death and Jesus says, yeah I'll come and heal him he goes oh I'm not worthy you should come into my roof just speak the word my servant be healed he says and he gives us the word I also also is very important I also am a man under authority I understand how this works because I say go and that guy goes and I say yeah come over here and do this errand that guy comes over and does this errand I, I get it because I bow my knee to, to Caesar's throne all the power at Caesar's disposal is behind my orders. And I don't know what throne you're bowing your knee to, but I understand how this authority thing works. And he said to him, all, all you got to do is say it. You don't have to come to my house. And Jesus is like, ha, wow. Hey, 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 when you check this out, this is crazy faith that he would know this thing. He said, I haven't seen faith like this. No, not in all Israel. And Jesus marvels. I love that story. And here, Jesus marvels because of their unbelief. Now, the question in the homework this week, if Jesus marveled at you, would it be because of your faith or your unbelief? I think only a couple of intrepid souls are going to answer that. We'll, we'll, we'll wait till Wednesday and see how that goes. And went around about the village's teaching. He's rejected, so he goes elsewhere. The work is still going to be done. You can't stop the work of God. You can stop it in your own life. That's the way it works. You can have as much or as little of Jesus Christ as you want. My advice? Pig out. Just pray as much as you want. Read the word as much as you want. Be filled with the Spirit to the, to the point where you, you're controlling so much of this. You really, really are. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power of unclean spirits. Now the power there is not dunamis. Dunamis is what we get. And he said, you're going to go and, you know, you know, hang out at Jerusalem and you wait for the you know, power of the Holy Spirit. It's dunamis. We get the word dynamite. And power of the Spirit is dynamite. It's not dynamite here. It's the royal right. It's the authority that Jesus Christ has. We don't have that. We can't, we ask for somebody to be healed. We don't, this is different. This is like, no, you be healed. Like Jesus does it. 
And he gives them this power at this time. And I just want to say, it's, 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 and he gave them power of unclean spirits. Did he give us power of unclean spirits? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, all through Scripture. And I can rattle off the many verses, the many places that is taught. I always think, like, we have victory over Satan, and any time he has a victory over us, it's, it's the, we gave him ground in our lives that he has no, he's a usurper, and he has no right having it. We just hand over. Story for another time. But he gives them power over unclean spirits and commanded them they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse. Be shod with sandals. Sandals are good. And not, but don't, you don't even take another jacket. You know, how my, uh, you know, back in the day when we had kids and we had to go out, it took a long time to get ready, but we didn't have all the stuff they have now. Now it's like, you know, it looks like you're packing for like a, you know, to go to the North Pole or something, just to go across the street to your folks' house when you get little kids. There's so many. And he said, no, 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 don't worry about it. None of that stuff. No, no script, no bread, no money. Well, i got to have a few bucks on me. I mean, I, I may have to stop at, uh, you know, at Jerusalem Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. I mean, I, I mean, I got to have a cup. He said, no, 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 no. All stuff be taken care of. Don't worry about Isn't a word for some of us right now? I'm not saying be irresponsible, and I'm not saying don't plan, but God's saying, hey, I got this. Hey, I got this. I'm sa- we say it this way. Where God guides, God provides. When we started, we didn't have a building that we own outright. We had a notion. God's calling us. Let's go. Well, what about this and what about... And people were that way. They were asking, what are you going to do about this? And what about... And oh, my goodness. And, what, and I was like, I don't know. God's called us. We're going. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I mean, you know, God's God. Yo, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's God. He, he just tells you to go and you, you, you're ready. You, you don't have to pack lunch and worry about and take care of all... Now, again, I'm not saying be irresponsible... But I am calling us to trust God at a, maybe to a point we never have before. You don't have to figure. You have to be faithful. Off they go. He said to them, in what place you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. Hospitality, big thing in that, in that culture. And somebody gives you hospitality, Protection, your food's taken care of, you got a place to sleep, you're all good. Big, big thing. Yeah, but I'm going to stay at the Best Western and I'll be fine and I got my... No, 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 there's no Best Western. This is Tom Baudet. He's not leaving the light on for you. This, this is the culture. This is how it works. Uh, so they stay at somebody's house and everything's provided. And he said, that's how I want you to do it. Enter in a house. There abide till you depart from that place. So you're going to be there a week or two, whatever, a few days, have some meetings, you know, share the gospel. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you when you depart, then shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Wait, what? <laughs> what? What's that all about? You know, uh, uh 
God does this all the time, okay? Like, Pharaoh thinks it's a good idea to drown little Jewish babies. So what happened to his army? Oh, how do you like it, God says. Haman builds a, a, a cross, a, a, something to impale, Ma, uh, I was going to say Malachi. Uh, who? Mordecai, thank you. See, we're all getting this together. Uh, and, and he ends up being impaled on it. Right? And Ecclesiastes tells us, you know, we dig a pit, we're going to fall in it. We roll a stone, it's going to roll back on us. We say it this way, what goes around comes around. But that's, that's the way God operates. Here, it's shake off the dust as a testimony against them. Why? Because when people were traveling outside of the Holy Land, outside of Israel, when they came back to the border, they would shake off the dust before they entered into the Holy Land. What they're saying is we don't want your nasty Gentile dust and dirt polluting our holy land. What a great testimony. You see, you see some Jewish guy at the border. He just was in your town. Now he's back in his town. He's shaking off all your vile dust off him. Wow, what a loving, wonderful thing to do. And he's saying, give him a dose of their own. You think Jesus isn't like that? No, he's very much like that. You know, when... Um, just, again, what goes around comes around. You're going to get well, how you judge. It's going to be judged back to you. How you measure. It's going to be meted out to you. He's very, very much like that. You can be as gracious as you want to be. You can be nice as you want to be. You can be as giving as you want to be. You can be as loving as you want to be. Or you can be a. Someone comes in and asks a scribe a question. Have you never read? Oy vey. They're saying, "Listen here, moron!" Without saying, "Listen here, moron." And when somebody asks Jesus a question, he goes, have you never read? And he's given them a taste of their own medicine. And I think it's funny and correct. You, like I say, what goes around comes around. So he's saying, you know what you want to do? When they don't receive you and they don't receive you, shake the dust off. They'll get the message. And you know what else? It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Wait a second, Jesus. You just, <laughs> you, yeah, wait, wait a second. Are you sure about that? I think you're just saying more than you can. Sodom and Gomorrah, if you know the story, it ended very poorly. Fire, brimstone, total destruction. What's worse than total destruction? Well, let me tell you what's worse than total destruction. If anyone turned in Sodom and Gomorrah and turned to God and cried out for mercy, God would have saved them. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe they would have died in that plague. Maybe not. Lot was delivered. His, his daughters were delivered. But they had a chance. Of, he's saying they won't. They won't have that chance. He's saying, well, wait a second. Adam, I thought everyone had a chance. Well, okay, this is back to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We're not receiving the words of Jesus. We're not receiving the gospel. We're not receiving any of that. It's like, what, what, what do you have then? How, how could you escape the wrath of God and certain damnation? The only mechanism in place for salvation is Jesus Christ and his cross. I'll have nothing to do with that. Well, you have nothing to do with eternal life in heaven. Neither is there salvation in any other. An off-quoted verse here. There is none other name under heaven 
given among men whereby we must be saved. I, I don't have no use for Jesus. You got no use for heaven. There's no, I wish there was, a, you know, I, if there was another alternative, I'd, I'd definitely tell you about it. You're saying, that's so narrow, there's only one. Listen, there is at least one. Praise God Almighty. No, it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city, the ones who won't hear your testimony. Is it the same with you, disciple? Yeah. If people turn from Jesus Christ, don't, get, don't take it personal. People will. He just demonstrated that in Nazareth, didn't he? He's in his hometown. Local boy makes good. Let's, get the, let's give him the key to the city. Let's get a big brass band out here and a marching parade and get the kids involved from the high school and we'll just, Jesus comes home, yay! Who does this guy think he is? Son of Mary. Coppiner. Yeah, okay, he's got power. He's got this wisdom. We don't know where he got it from. And they reject him. If they reject me, Jesus says, they'll reject you. Don't take it personal. Really. I mean, people get all upset and stuff. You should be upset in a sorrow way. They're, they're writing their ticket to hell. I'm not going to have Jesus. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. It, it can't. It won't. It, it doesn't. Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, you wish Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be worse than that. And they went out because they're disciples. He goes to Nazareth. They go to Nazareth. He, they send him out. They go out. Listen, does God have the right to do that? Yeah. We've seen it firsthand. Here I am, electrician, working, construction. I want you to do this. Is there a right to do that? Has, is there anything in your life that's off limits, out of bounds? God, don't, listen, don't mess with this part of my life. I'll give you my whole life, except, and by the way, <laughs> he's only interested in the exception after that statement. What, except what? That's all. You've, you've wonderfully drawn his attention to the one thing in, his, in your life that hands off. And I just want to tell you, he's trustworthy. He's your loving heavenly father. He loves you. He's not at cross purposes with you. If he wants to take something out of your life or send you or have you come or go or do, obey. It's wonderful. It's, why would we think that he doesn't have our best interests in mind? Again, that's just, that's Satan talking. I've said it this way, you know, I, I'll give him my whole life, but I know what's going to happen. He's going he's to send me to Antarctica and I'll be ministering to penguins and he knows how I hate the cold. Stop it. Just stop that. That is so satanic. It's, it's laughable if you think it all the way through. He's just waiting for you to offer him his life because then he's going to slam the door shut behind you and just rain all kinds of terror on your life because he's a miserable, horrible God and a tyrant to boot. Right? No. <laughs> no. He loves us. Will we, in following him, meet with rejection? Oh, I guarantee it. And he's guaranteeing it. Did you just, didn't you notice what happened? And a prophet without honor, I could write a book. I mean, in your own country, with your own people, I, I could write a book. What else can I do? Cry and... No, it's just part of the deal. 
and he's awesome and he's good and he's best when it's best when we do what he says to do. They went out and they preached that men should repent. That is the essence of the gospel. Don't leave it out of your gospel presentation. At some point you have to turn from sin. Who wants to be a disciple of a God who can't deliver us from the power of sin in our life? Um, I, you know, I came to Christ, I was a, a raging alcoholic, and I beat my wife and cheated on her, and I was a horrible human being. None of that's so, by the way, I'm hypothetical. And then, now that I'm 30, 40 years walking with the Lord, I'm still a raging alcoholic, I still beat my wife, and I still cheat all the time. Praise the Lord. Thank you for what? Nothing. People who are, he delivers us from sin. Repentance is part of the deal. Be willing to change your mind, to have a different way of looking at things. He can do it. When we think it's all on us, that's when we run into a lot of problems. I'd like to develop that, but we're like way out of time. And they cast out devils, anointed with oil, many that were sick and healed them. What's the point of the oil? It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. I was directed to uh, Psalm 133. I won't read that now. A picture again of the Holy Spirit. It's where the Oil is poured out on Aaron, and it runs down his beard, and it's a picture of fellowship. And what does God do with the Spirit of God? I think the ultimate is fellowship, is he knits our hearts together. This is how they know you, my disciple, the love ye have one for another. Okay? We'll end there. Um, if our worship team will come and send us out of here in song, you can stand, we'll pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for this reminder of rejection very often, but still, at the end of the day, it's best to do what you tell us to do and help us to resolve that. And Lord, if I'm talking to anybody under the sound of my voice who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, can you make this the day they'll call on you for salvation? And Lord, show them that the road that they're on is its not going to end well. And Lord, but you're so gracious and you're so good to forgive us from all our sins and cleanse us from all, all kinds of, all manner of impurity and, and sin and, and everything. Lord, we thank and praise you for that. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.